0: Hello and welcome to Tools to Create a Better Life with myself, Glenice Hughes. Thank you so much for listening in, guys. I am so incredibly grateful for each and every one of you. So a little while ago, my sweet friend, Crystal Crawford, interviewed me on her new uh, show called Wing in It, uh, and we'll put a link in the show notes on my webpage if you want to go check that out. And... What it inspired me to do was this radio show, which is Behind the Scenes, My Personal Life, My Business Journey to Now. Uh, And it inspired me because as I was talking with her, I was sharing some things that I guess I assumed everybody knew and I have no clue why I would think everybody would know that, but I just did and she didn't. In fact, I surprised her a few times with my past and so what I thought I would do is share with you guys kind of from the beginning. I mean, not all the pieces because that would be a really long show because I got like almost 48 years behind me Um, and so yeah... I was born in 1972. My parents had two daughters prior to me. So I was number three and I was actually number three for nine years, which if you've ever been in my foundation classes, you've probably heard me talk about uh, because I really held on to that. I I remember being called baby. That was one of my nicknames. Uh, I remember being the uh, center of attention for nine years and then boom there was one more and then there were two more so yeah how does it get any better than that and I have to tell you once I got a little bit older um it probably actually didn't happen until I was in my 20s but I got I am just so grateful for all my four sisters yes all of us are girls, uh, and. At the time, though, it really was a whole kind of drama trauma thing for me and my world and all the crazy and all the all the things so then I graduated from high school I was seventeen years old I moved to i was living we grew up in the, on a farm near turtleford Saskatchewan, which if you know the area that's surprising because <laughs> One, it's Saskatchewan and very few people, you know, around the world are familiar with that, especially this tiny little town, population 505. And I say that because it's still on the sign 505, which was there 20 some years ago when I lived there. So I'm not really sure how accurate it is anymore. Uh, and I moved to Saskatoon, which is a big city compared to Turtleford. And I actually picked up my, gr- uh, my report card in the morning and I moved to Saskatoon in the afternoon. This is how excited I was to start my new life and living. I've always been a very independent person and I am so grateful to my parents for that because there was never a sense of you can't do it There was never a sense of them stopping me or saying you know you even with that you know you you should you should spend a month at home before you move like there was never any sense of that at all and so in a lot of ways I would say that I kind of just went into the world blindly from the place of of course everything will work out for me and interestingly enough it actually does how does it get any better and of course now I have many more tools but back then it was just like well I'm done school and what I had and and this is one piece that a lot of a lot of people don't know I had uh, applied for and got into a radio DJ school So this is what I find very interesting. I was, and that's kind of my rush to get up to Saskatoon is that it was starting the week after. So there wasn't, I wasn't taking a summer break or anything. So I moved up there and actually, I think it was starting maybe three weeks after or something. There was a little bit of time, but not a lot. And I, I woke up one morning and I just knew not to take that schooling I had paid for it. Everything was set. Everything was a go. And I just woke up knowing that was not for me. And what was for me, and this is still so funny, was psychiatric nursing. So we have a very good family friend. Her name is Shirley, and she is a psychiatric nurse. And I looked up to her like she walked on water for me. It she just knew things. she she shared things in a way that I could hear them. Um, I actually I'm not sure, actually, but i I would say part of the reason that I never chose drugs. Uh, would be partly her, because some of the stories that she shared from the North Battleford Psychiatric Centre, because sometimes when people take drugs, they actually end up in the psychiatric centre, maybe they're laced with something. So she would share these stories, and I would be horrified. Uh, And so when I was out partying, which I did a lot of, uh, I never touched the drugs, because it just scared the hell out of me. Even to this day, you know, the thought of anything like that. No drinking. Yes, absolutely. Especially as as a teenager, I drank and drank and drank and drank. (laughs) But drugs were just a no go for me. Although I I did try pot once because my dad said I was doing it. So then of course, I had to do it. Um, And that was stupid. I didn't get it. It just made me tired. So that I was never doing that again. And then um, my one sister and I tried mushrooms. We got them from a reliable source. We had Shirley with us um, and we just wanted to try them and kind of, in a sense, get it out of our system. So we did uh, and we giggled and we were having so much fun and we went to a friend's house and she had to put her cat down that day, which if you know me at all, you know my love for cats. So (laughs) all I could do was laugh. And laugh and laugh and laugh and I was so disgusted with myself that that was it the desire to do mushrooms ever again was over so those were my kind of two uh two tries and luckily both of them were not of interest to me so anyway I'm probably going to bounce around a lot um So yeah, I woke up that morning, I knew the radio DJ was not for me, and I knew to become a psychiatric nurse. And the funny thing is, I still remember being so afraid to tell my dad. Now, why I was afraid to tell my dad, I have no clue. He didn't even pay for the radio DJ. The other thing that I've been is, um, had some sort of business probably since I was 12, I have been running some sort of business or I was employed. So at one point in, my, in high school, I had three jobs. <laughs> Because I love money. I love spending money. I had a very good awareness of if I desired to have things, I required money. So this is what I did. And so, anyway, I was so afraid to tell my dad. And him and my mom and my two younger sisters came up to visit me, I think that day or that weekend or something. And so it took all that i had to like just let him know that i wasn't going to go to dj and i was going to go to psychiatric nursing and he's like oh okay <laughs> cuz again he never cared he and i don't mean he didn't care he cared and he cares but not from the place of he he's ever projected onto me what i should do or shouldn't do <clears throat> And so I was working, I'd got a job at Taco Time, which I think is around, well, no, it's probably not around the world, but it's basically like a McDonald's except it's tacos. And uh, because I couldn't actually apply, it was too late to apply that year for nursing. I had to wait until January. So this was... July. And uh, so I started was working at Taco Time and I continued to work there and uh, applied in January. And it was, it was a harder program to get into. What I had on my side was that I was what they called I think an adult student or something because I'd taken a year off so I had whatever that worked out for me because I'm I'm not in terms of like book smart that's never been my strong point if I if I enjoy something absolutely I can be very very smart in it but if I don't which was most of high school (laughs) I didn't have the the um I took the easiest ways so anyway I got in and took that uh training uh gosh Did I start in maybe 91 and graduated in 93? I do believe. And I would say one of the things for me was the way I would receive an awareness is when I would wake up like kind of in the night, but I, it wouldn't come as a dream. I would just wake up and I would just know. So it's like the infinite knowing that I talk about a lot now. Uh, so much like I had with when I woke up and, and I knew not DJ and I knew psychiatric nursing. Um, another previous, I think it was like 14 or 15. And I mean, this sounds so funny to me, but I really wanted to learn how to French braid my own hair. So my two older sisters, uh, so Renee and Trudy are their names, uh, you know, They were older and not maybe as interested in doing my hair. Plus, they probably couldn't do it right from my point of view. The two younger sisters, of course, were way too young. Uh, So I knew if I wanted to do it, I had to do it myself. And I couldn't quite figure out how to do it Like behind my head. I could do it on my sisters in front of me, but I couldn't do it behind my head. And of course, if you can imagine a time where we didn't have the internet to Google it. (laughs) So I was just kind of left to my own trying to figure it out. And I went to bed one night and I was just so wanting my hair French braided the next day for whatever was going on. And when I woke up, I knew how to do it. And so in When I was taking psychiatric nursing, I was in school in Regina, Saskatchewan, and I was seeing a guy, and he was living with me, and along with another roommate who was also at Taco Time, uh, and so all three of us were living together, and he, him and I, it just, it wasn't, it didn't create greater, and I knew that, but I didn't want to admit that. So, I woke up one morning. And I knew it had to end. And it felt like the worst pain I'd ever felt, other than when my my grandpa died and my grandma had died. I'd never felt pain like that. And I knew I had to do it. Like, you know, and I look at that now, and it was just like there was, I just knew. And, and I just did it. And it was, it was horrendous. And, and probably a lot of who does it belong to, you know, a relationship ends and blah, blah, blah. Um, And so that was just kind of another example of the knowing it just had, like, I just wake up and I just know, uh, or back then it doesn't occur so much now because I have, I, I feel like I have so much quicker access to it. So that was psychiatric nursing. I graduated and I graduated in 1993, which was when (laughs) there was so many nurse layoffs. Oh my gosh, you guys, so many layoffs. In fact, I sent out 100 resumes. I received one interview and that was at a place called Focus in Vermilion, Alberta, which is a population 5000 ish uh, near Lloydminster Saskatchewan slash Alberta it's a border city about an hour and a half from where I grew up and wasn't even really for a psychiatric nursing position like you didn't have to be a psychiatric nurse to do that position Uh, and I took it I had $13 an hour. I had like $30,000 in student loan debt which now doesn't probably sound like anything but back then that was like mountains to me plus only making $13 and I and I took it because I had sent out a hundred resumes and that was the only response, the only interview, and then and then I got it uh and started started there and it was uh working in a group home for people with disabilities. And I got to work with a gal named Dawn, and she was uh or is, I suppose, I'm not sure if she's still with us or not, uh autistic and nonverbal and so phenomenal. I mean, now with the, with the information that I have, I can, I can so acknowledge the contribution that her and I were to each other because uh, I, I can hear what isn't being said. And probably many of you can do the same. And so, you know, she didn't have to be verbal for me to know if she was hungry or thirsty or needed to go to the bathroom. Now, at the time, if you would have asked me, that I I would have said, no, I don't know, or she made a move, or she did, like, I would have been able to justify it. But now I just know, I have such an innate ability to communicate without words, and, um, and probably more commune than communicate. And I just adored her so much. And I started there in August of 93. And I believe it was October. I don't even remember for sure, I think it was October, uh, when Hubby actually got hired. Now, Hubby had no training in this world whatsoever. However, there was one of the residents living, I think there was four or five residents living in this house, Dawn being one of them, uh, and then a few others, and they all had uh, a personal worker. So I was Dawn's, and there was personal workers for the other ones, and then the, there was a gentleman living there who was extremely aggressive and they needed somebody who could physically manage the aggression, uh, not hurt him by any means, but if he was out and needed to go to, um, you know, a place away from the public just needed somebody who could handle that. And they didn't have any staff who could do that. So hubby applied and uh, he started working there and we had, there was two other gals. So I guess there was four residents living there. There was a Carrie and there was Lorna and hubby and I hubby's name is Rodney, but he does prefer hubby. Uh, And the four of us became just the best of friends we would finish work and so we spend all day pretty much all day together uh depends if someone one of our clients had a you know a doctor appointment or something it would just be the us and our client that would go but pretty much we spent most of the day together at 3 30 when or at three o'clock when we were done work for the day then we would go to the four of us would go to a coffee shop together until 3 30 because two of them had kids so hubby had kids and uh carrie had a child and so then they would go pick up their kids and lots of kids and lots of times in the evening we would get together again and then uh, Friday night was movie night so everybody with their kids and Lorna and I would get together and we would watch uh, a family uh, appropriate movie and we just were the best of friends and I just look back at that time just so so grateful. It was so much fun. And and hubby and I were very, very good friends. So we didn't start off as, uh, you know, interested each other in that way, at least not from, you know, for me, I just saw him as a, as a friend working together. And then kind of the more that we spent time together, I became more and more interested in him. And I had, you know, I had finished with that other guy, but I was still in a lot of drama, trauma about ending it and the upset and all the crazy with it. So I wasn't actually looking, <laughs> I wasn't looking at all. In fact, I have my, my psychiatric nursing graduation ring and I wore it on my wedding ring finger. And hubby asked me one day, he said, are you married? And I said, not to a person, but to my work. And I mean, like, that's so cheesy. And... <laughs> so anyway what happened was as you know our interest grew and we both knew it but he wasn't making any other move so finally it was December 13th of 1993 and I stopped by his house and I said can I take you to dinner tonight And, you know, he knew what that meant and I knew what that meant. And he's like, well, I just got to ask my kids and see if it's okay with them, Uh, which then made, you know, him even brighter in my eyes for some reason, Uh, you know, just the fact that he would involve his family in his in his choice. He has three kids and we went out to dinner we had salmon (laughs) which I hated at the time so it's always been a big joke because I was so nervous which is so funny because we'd been good friends for months and suddenly now you know I'm freaking out uh and so we asked the guy what the special was and he said salmon and Rodney's like oh I'll have that and I'm like oh me too and then I was like oh shit I don't like salmon but I only of course didn't say that out loud that was only in my head uh and I didn't tell him for actually a number of years before I was honest about what had occurred but anyway obviously that night went very well and um you know Gosh, that was many, many years ago now. And so we stayed at Focus for a few more years. Us as a group, the four of us working together was amazing. The kind of politics in the, the office staff, we called them, so people who worked in the office part and all of them, <sighs> that was not fun. And again, I, you know, I recognized that trauma drama was my main operating um, sense back then. So I was probably not contributing to it at all, but it just made it where it was becoming less and less fun. One of the things that I had always wanted to do, because as a, as a teenager, I did a lot of was be a hairdresser. And so as a teenager, people would come and see me and I would, I wouldn't cut hair. I didn't have that, but I would style hair and do updos and all those pretty things. And I loved it. So I had this sense of, you know, if I just become a hairdresser, then I can do that. So in 1995, I went and I took the nine month, I believe it was nine month program, except it was so many hours. It's just that normally people would do it in nine months of course I did it in seven (laughs) and I did it while studying essential oils oh my gosh it's just so funny to think about now but anyway I went and took this hairdressing course and it was actually really awesome i really enjoyed learning all of the aspects of it and so yes yeah, so i moved from vermilion back to saskatoon in 1995 for those months moved in with a friend who lived there her and her family so that worked really nice also and uh yeah learned all about it was also studying essential oils like i said in the classroom while they were teaching us because of course you can't do just one thing when you're sitting there you've got to do too uh, and yeah it, it was amazing came back to vermilion hubby and i moved in together and i started working at a hair salon plus i started working uh kind of outreach with uh, alberta health care services so i'd go into people's homes and help them uh with their whatever they needed help with band-aids and stuff like that and um did the hairdressing thing for about a year and i hated it <laughs> No, there was a couple aspects with that. One, uh, the woman who I was training under, so back then, and maybe it's still the same, I'm not sure. Back then you needed to to work with somebody for so many hours and then you could take the test and, and kind of move up and she really was just more interested in having a shampoo girl. So she didn't really teach me anything. She had me sweeping the floor and washing people's hair before she cut them. So I didn't really feel like I was getting more education. And the people I was working with, (laughs) the one thing I never took into consideration was that people were going to tell me what to do. Oh my gosh, that sounds so horrible when I say it. But that's kind of where I was operating from. It's like people were going to tell me uh, how to style their hair when as a teenager, when people came in, they would just say, hey, do whatever. You know what looks good, you do that. So when people were paying, it was different. They wanted me to... um, to do what they wanted and it just there was just no no aspect of fun so it took about a year for me to finally go okay I'm done with this so then I actually went back to focus so I kept working with Alberta Healthcare and I also went back to focus and was doing some other work in other locations and and different pieces and that. I had also started a hobby of rubber stamping with cards and my mom was very much into it so her and I together we would rubber stamp our heart's delight and we would have all sorts of cards and do all sorts of creative things with it and As with pretty much everything I do, I created a business with it. And I should say her and I created one together because it really was her and I together. And as with everything I do, it just got so awesome. It was so amazing. And we had probably one of the busiest online businesses to a certain extent. Now it wasn't where you we had a shop online where people could go and order. But we we did most of our stamping with a company called Magenta. And I don't know they were from Quebec. I don't know if they're still even in in, uh, business. And we had you know super sales on the stamps, and we would have put out different cards, and of course this was using the internet, and then people would contact us with their order, and then my mom actually eventually I got where it was just too much for me, and we got her to she did all the shipping out, so she was running a business. She actually is an entrepreneur, much, and my dad is also. He is a farmer, and then had other businesses after he retired from farming. My mom uh, started out as a seamstress, and then. And had her own store and then just added things here and there so she actually ran the that part of the business she sent it out I collected them well no actually she collected the money so she did a lot of the business and uh, it was just so much fun and that became really where the the fun was in my life I you know and going back to focus and working Alberta health services and all that I mean those were okay but it wasn't the creative element. And so having this as the creative element, and I mean, I lived and breathed it. Like I started work at 8am for focus, my I, you know, wouldn't you would normally take a lunch break, and then you'd finish at like four. But I asked my boss, could I work through lunch so that I could be done at three, because I really just wanted to get home and get creating And, uh, yeah, (laughs) so, uh, that's what I did. And that was the business for, for, I don't even know how many years, but a number of years and then got invited to go on a cruise and, uh, teach, uh, stamping, on the cruise Uh, so my friend came with me and she did a lot of the classes with me and stuff and I used to do things in vermilion with cards and classes and oh my gosh I mean just thinking about it now talking about it now it was it was so much fun it was so creative meanwhile at focus I had worked my way up into a position where I was doing grant proposal writing and I hated it. <laughs> there was absolutely no joy in it whatsoever. I was now part of the office staff. Uh, so, the people that we had the problems with uh, the years earlier, now I was in that position. So, this would be about the year 2000. And I just, I just didn't like it. I wasn't working with the clients and I also wasn't having success with getting money from the proposals I was writing. So that wasn't very fun either. I didn't feel successful in any way. And the, the office politics stuff was still there. I was still a big part of them, uh, you know, all the crazy. There were some fun aspects, absolutely. And it was just, it was just time. So in January of 2002, I did what I had been doing for about 10 years, and I went and saw a psychic. So in when I was 18, my friend Nancy and I went and, to a psychic fair. For the very first time in my life ever, uh, I'd went to the psychic fair and sat down. We walked in, Nancy and I walked in, and we're just kind of walking around aimlessly. Neither her nor I had done this sort of thing before. So we didn't really know what to expect. And one of the guys, one of the psychics sitting at his booth called us over. And I assumed he was going to try to sell us his services. And he said, it looks like you gals aren't sure what you're doing here something like that. And we said, yeah, we're not really sure what to do. And he said, you need to split up. He said, and then you need to walk around and you'll know who to see. And we just said, oh, okay. <laughs> so we did that. And as soon as I was by myself and just kind of present and, and with, you know, the energy he was being with contributing, there was this woman who was like her. And I just knew, much like all those mornings I would wake up with the things I knew, I knew it was her. And I had to wait. She, she was probably the only one out of, I don't know, 30 psychics that I had to wait for. But I waited And she was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And back then I did put my power into other people all the time. Like that's how, yeah, all the time. So that was when I was at 18. And then I would go see her about once a year, anytime I could find where she was, or I would go see her. She had a a home location in Edmonton. Uh, I would go and and book with her, but just once a year. That's all I needed was kind of this tune-up. So in January of 2002, I went to see her. Her name is Irene McNabb. I don't even know if she's still doing it. Um, I remember her as an older lady, so I'm not sure, but you know what? (laughs) It's very possible. And so she said to me, she did the reading and, and all of that, and I went in with one question And at the time, she would do the whole reading. And then at the end, she would say, do you have any questions? And so I said to her, yes, I have one question. And I (laughs) said, what do I need to do to be happy? And she said, and she kind of looked at me funny. She said, well, and she shuffled a couple of cards. And she said, you're a healer. You just need to be healing and you'll be happy she said you can be a nurse you can be a reiki master you could be a physiotherapist it doesn't matter as long as you're healing you will be happy and i walked away and i thought well (laughs) i'm doing the nurse thing you know and i'm not happy so what's this reiki practitioner reiki master thing (laughs) and i did a little bit of research no, actually what happened was I went home that night and she had just set up a webpage and given me her card. So I went on uh, Irene's webpage and she had a kind of a newsletter type thing and I clicked on it and I was reading it and she had a book review and I happened to click on the woman who wrote the book that she was reviewing. I don't even remember the name of the book and her, the, the author's name was Sheila Botts. And I went to, I clicked on her webpage page. What showed me that she was actually having a Reiki class in March of 2002, and <laughs> in Middle Lake, Saskatchewan. Now, I didn't even know where Middle Lake, Saskatchewan, was. I knew where Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan, was, but this is not Meadow. This was Middle Lake, Saskatchewan, and I actually signed up. Now, back then, that's a very unusual thing for me. Okay, now I would do that very quickly because I would ask a question. I would just know yes or no, and I would choose it if it was light and done. But back then, that was very unusual because I didn't even know what Reiki was. I just I was just like, nope, I'm signing up, and. Even before seeing the psychic, I had kind of already decided and hubby and I talked a lot about me getting some retraining for the nursing. So because I hadn't been utilizing all the skills such as like injections and that sort of thing, uh, in order for me to feel comfortable going into work to do that, I would have to uh, um, do a week retraining and the weekly training was $1,000. Now, back then, <laughs> that was a lot of money. Like, that, that was out of my, my, my world, and I wasn't prepared to ask my parents. I knew they'd give it to me. I knew that, and I just, I just couldn't. When I took my hairdressing school, my dad took over my car payments for the year or for however many months I was gone from, from working, and I just always felt really shitty about that like just, just doing like anywhere. So I had lots of points of views and I wasn't going to ask for a thousand dollars. So I knew that focus was going to lay, start laying people off with, you know, financial cuts and stuff. So I went to them and I just said, Hey, I know you're going to be laying somebody off. What if you lay me off? And they were like, what? <laughs> I said, hey, I want to go back. I want to do some retraining. Uh, there's some jobs. Uh, what, what we were going to do was move up to Edmonton, and I was going to work in a prison. I know it sounds crazy, but I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, and so I just knew that if I had this retraining, I would get that job. So if I got unemployed, the Alberta government, while I was on unemployment, would, of course, pay my way to school. Like it was $1,000, nothing, nothing much to them from my interesting point of view back then, uh, and I would get the job and live happily ever after. So focus employers said, okay, sounds good. So March 31st was the was the day for, for me to be done there. And the reason that I was going to go work at a prison was was two reasons, actually. One, I had done a practicum in a prison in Calgary, and I loved it. It was so fun the staff there were much like the staff at focus like when I worked the four of us worked together like it was so there was such a sense of connection and togetherness and uh and all of that so I loved that that was my one reason but the more important reason was back then nurses who worked in prisons made about 60 grand a year oh my gosh that's so funny to me 60 grand a year. And that was the important piece to me because what I had decided was if I was making enough money, I would be happy. (sighs) Yes. Right. I know. So uh, so March 31st was the date. So I went and took the Reiki class. I was amazed by it. I saw all sorts of things in my mind. I thought I was imagining them. Turns out clairvoyant, you know, psychic seeing. Uh, and and it was it was really, really amazing. Left the class with still that kind of like, oh, I'm going to go and get my retraining and I'm going to go do this and I'm going to go be happy because I'm making $60,000 a year. Oh my gosh, working in a prison. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so So I went back, played with Reiki any moment I could. I had friends, I had family, I had all sorts of people uh, who were willing to be my victims and, and receive it either distance or in person. And I just played and played and played. And I went to the government probably on April 1st and said, okay, I'm unemployed. I would just like this retraining. Here's the dates, here's the amount, let's do this. And the government looked at me and said, we can't do that. I was like, what? They said, we can't give you $1,000 for five days of training. That's way too short of training and way too much money. That doesn't fit in our guidelines. And I was dumbfounded, like honestly. And what they said to me is, if you want $30,000 to retrain, we'll give you that. So I could go back to school <laughs> for something totally different. <laughs> for $30,000 and they would have paid for that but they wouldn't pay for five days and I would have been employed in a heartbeat so I found that very interesting and at the time I just thought the government was stupid and all of that and now I see the universe totally had my back (laughs) totally had my back so I was playing with the you know, with Reiki and energy, I was reading every book that I could from the library. I'm a very big self-studier. If there's something I'm interested in, I will find all the information about it. And was, you know, becoming way more uh, aware and utilizing different tools. Not, of course, the tools from access consciousness yet, but different tools and playing and having fun and uh, kind of looking at. Okay, well, maybe I do want to retrain. What would I like to retrain as? And just, just kind of wondering. Woke up one morning in June, <laughs> and I knew I had to open a Reiki business. I just knew it. Now this was difficult for hubby, because this was not comfortable. This was not, um, I don't know if safe would be the right word, but he, you know his income wasn't enough for us to live on. So we both needed to contribute about the same amount, and. Now I'm walking into kind of uncharted territory by being, you know, self-employed. And also it was a world he didn't understand and didn't actually at that time want to understand. So he just thought I had lost my marbles and I just thought he was crazy to not think this was going to (laughs) work. again remember that kind of going off into the world like everything's gonna work out for me that's how I started this business too well of course as soon as people knew about Reiki everybody was gonna want it (laughs) now here's a funny twist I realized that I needed to have something else. So the Reiki would work for the people who were more open, but I also wanted to have something to offer people who needed something more scientific ish. And uh, one, I had seen a counselor when I was really. Really having a tough time with the ending of that relationship back when I was in college. And she did something called clinical hypnotherapy with me, and it was magic, absolutely magic. So I started looking at that and I found a program. It was $2,500 for a two day class. Okay, so remember the nursing <laughs> five days, $1,000. This program, two days, $2,500 guess what the government gave me (laughs) $2,500 for two days of training. Not even kidding you again. Talk about the universe having your back. Oh my gosh. So did that. So when I started my business in September of 2002, I had both Reiki and clinical hypnotherapy that I was offering. And of course everybody was going to come. I mean, (laughs) who wouldn't want to change their life with this awesomeness? Uh, Anyway, and I also got a small business loan from our bank. So I got a $5,000 business loan. Again, that was a huge amount of money back then and it really, I just assumed it would last forever, of course. Uh, The other thing that occurred in August, so September's when I opened my business, in August was when I had my first connection with a dead person. So again, some of you might not know, but I worked professionally as a medium for about 10 years in in this business, Uh, and it all started in August of 2002, when I was doing Reiki on a good friend of mine, and I had been, of course, reading all the books and, and starting to communicate with the bodies and, and get energy stuff. And of course, see pictures in my head and, and all this stuff. But in no way did I ever think in a million years that I would start talking to dead people. Uh, and I was doing Reiki on my friend, I actually have a radio show called Tell Her I Love Her. And I'll link it also in the in the show notes so that you can go and listen for the whole story. But basically, I was waiting for some information from her body that she was asking me about something going on and I just kept hearing tell her I love her and I assumed it was me thinking that like you know me thinking I should tell her I love her and I do love her but it wasn't an appropriate time to be telling her Uh, but anyway it was this guy coming through and a friend of hers who'd committed suicide and it was an amazing amazing connection and experience freaked me out excited me all the things and um Anyway, go and listen to that radio show if you want way more about that. But basically that started in August and I played with it uh, in a, there was a, used to be a forum. I can't remember what it's called psychic something, uh, back when forums were a thing before Facebook. And, uh, I used to play in there and it was just a free place. People would ask, you know, can anybody connect with my, I don't know, my dead dog or whatever. And those of us who were practicing would go and get what we could and post it. And they would, you know, tell us it was on target or it wasn't or whatever. Uh, and I loved it. Oh my gosh. It was so much fun. Then I went to eBay and I would, I would sell a now, medium session with me for $9.99. Because I was actually just looking for practice. But I was I needed more than just doing it in that forum. And so I started doing it that way. And it was just it was so amazing. Oh my gosh, it was so amazing. But locally, I was really, really nervous to share it. And I didn't actually for a long time until June of 2003, I had invited a woman. She, had, she was doing some training from Louise Hay, love yourself, workbook, something like that. And so she did a weekend training. Uh, I hosted her. And um, one of the questions that she asked was, if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? And that was my response. I would offer my mediumship readings publicly. And then we did a whole bunch of work around it. I don't remember all the pieces, but there was a bunch of stuff with that. And it was just like, wow. The other thing that occurred was I was out of money. So I actually had to do something different. And I started looking around for jobs, of course. Uh, And I actually chose to go public with my mediumship, which then you know, that's, that was the majority of my business. I would do some teaching on the weekends. Uh, I was teaching, of course, Reiki. I was teaching, uh, connecting with your angels. And, you know, eventually I started teaching mediumship and, and all the pieces, but my majority of my business was doing the one-to-one medium mediumship sessions. And also I would do group mediumship sessions, <laughs> easy for me to say. Uh, and, and that was all, you know, kind of 2003 on and then in 2011 is when i was looking for something else i had went through the ending of a friendship and it was extremely difficult for me and i was looking for something else i was you know i had taken so many classes and i had so many tools and none of them were changing kind of the pain and the suffering that i was i was choosing and I was looking for something else, came across a radio show about the access consciousness tools that I'd never heard of before, listened to a show, and I was in. I mean, I waited. I still remember every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. is when her show would be available for download, and I would just pace the floor until that moment, and I would download her show and really recognize that um, so much of what I was doing by giving the answer <laughs> wasn't actually fun for me anymore. Now, it is not right and it is not wrong. There is not a better way. There's not the best way. There's just what's working at the time. And what I did do for, you know, those years in my business did create a lot. There was, I contributed to a lot of people. There were a lot of lives that were greater based on their sessions with me, I'm very well aware of that. And it stopped working for me to give answers. What I love with the access tools is that I get to contribute to people so that they know they can actually have their own awareness and they don't need to see somebody once a week or like I was doing once a year for their answers. They actually get to have their own awarenesses and. They are the creators of their lives. Because one of the things I was doing when I was going to the psychic once a year is I wasn't being the creator. I was waiting for her to tell me what was going to happen, which is very much a victim energy rather than going, hey, what would I like to create? And so when I started utilizing the tools in 2011, because of the way I'd built my business for, uh, gosh, nine years, I couldn't change it overnight. I really took baby steps to kind of bring out the empowerment tools and step by step. Like it was really a a cognitive process in that I had to recognize what my clientele were interested in, and asking for, and what was fun for me, and really dancing with all of those pieces. and as we all do, choice creates awareness. So the more that I chose, say, the empowerment stuff, the more fun that was for me. And it wasn't until about 2014, until I was specifically just doing classes and sessions with the tools from Access Consciousness, where, you know, that's three years, And I'm so grateful because I I remember multiple times being in classes with Gary and people, and Gary Douglas is the founder of Access Consciousness, and people would ask him about their business. And often they were people who were doing similar to what I was doing before in terms of metaphysical sessions and, and readings and that sort of thing. And he would always say to them, do not stop what you're doing. Do not stop what you're doing add to it, but don't stop it, and I'm so grateful that I listened, uh, because it could have been really difficult, Uh, so instead I got to kind of invite some people forward, and some people came with me, and some people didn't, which is awesome also. The other thing that I became clear on for me, just from a personal level, was the one-to-one sessions, which I was doing about four or five days a week of, and I was doing about six hours a day of. weren't so fun for me anymore and they were very fun for a long time and then they weren't so fun so I really started looking at okay how can I create a business that is mostly uh, group based you know whether it's an in-person class or an online class what what can that look like Uh, I had so many creative ideas and things I desired to play with And after a full day of client sessions, didn't often really feel like doing that. So I really kind of started shifting and and changing the business that way. In 2013 is when I got my first invite to Ireland, actually, to facilitate a class. And that was a huge moment for me because one of my lifelong dreams, not so much to travel the world, you know, inspiring people because you know, when I was a teenager, a young kid, I didn't know I was going to do that, but was to travel. That has always been in my world. Like, I can't even put words for how much I desired to travel the world. And so, with getting that invite, it just opened up everything for me and how they actually came. So her name was D or is D she's still D. Uh, and she actually became a big part of my business for many years after that because working with her in her hosting that class was so amazing. Uh, and, I started looking at like doing way more of that and the invites just started coming in. I would say for me personally the biggest part of that was having the radio show. So in 2013 I got this random email from Voice America. They are still online and they uh basically host podcasts, host radio shows, and they had just said, hey, you know, we've searched you out, we've checked your page, your YouTube, all of that, Uh, we think you'd be a great fit for the show. And I was like, huh? Like, There's no way that I can speak for an hour about anything, which is so funny to think of now because I can obviously, I'm already at what, almost three quarters of an hour on this show alone. Uh, Anyway, so I had a conversation with the gal and... Gary and Dane already had a show on Voice America on the Empowerment Channel, but because of what she had researched for me and most of my content from in 2013 and previous was metaphysical-based, she actually contacted me thinking I would Uh, do better on a different channel and I just said to her you know I'm really making the change with my business and going towards the empowerment uh, and that that's where I would much rather be than on the the metaphysical channel and she said well that's fine and the radio show spot right after Gary and Dane just opened up it was like oh my gosh and I logically it made no sense to me and energetically when I asked if I choose this will it create the future I desire or decay the future I desire it was like create the future was like through the moon it was so so expansive and obviously I chose it and I actually was with Voice America for I started with 2013 and I changed in 2019. So I was with them for six years and that's one weekly show other than if it fell on like a Thanksgiving or a Christmas or something, but weekly show for six years. So I have a lot of content out there, not to mention my weekly YouTube on video or video on YouTube and all the things. So obviously I can, I can talk, (laughs) And then in, I would say probably the last year, year and a bit, things have kind of been changing up a little bit again. Uh, I haven't really been desiring a lot of travel. I I did travel last year in 2019 uh, and found it about summertime, I found it really difficult to say yes to going to different countries and facilitating classes. And I wasn't sure what was going on. I, I didn't Understand it, it didn't make sense to me, and I just couldn't say yes. And then, of course, this COVID 19 that we're in as I'm currently uh, recording this started, and I get now that my awareness was um, on last year and letting me know, but it, it didn't, it truly didn't make sense to why I couldn't say yes to all the places. And so kind of I wonder and I was already kind of from last year earlier last year uh creating more online and really looking at increasing that so not to say I won't travel that's not what I mean at all uh I just would like to do way more online and then if we travel cool but not having it such a big part of of the business and I'm so grateful because it pretty much as with the business over all of these years whatever i choose is what i will actually create and of course so you know working at that over a year now of really choosing that it's creating that so with this covid-19 thing it's there's really not much difference in my in my life my living our finances the business and how does it get any better than that i am so incredibly grateful And you know what, that pretty much sums up what I would say, like my life and business. Uh, Like, how does it get any better than this? And really looking at and acknowledging through that whole big story, uh, really how much I know. And even when I didn't know, I knew. (laughs) And sometimes I had to go to sleep to wake up to know that I know, uh, and I know, I've actually always had my back. And of course, I didn't tell you every detail, so it wasn't like everything was sunshiny and awesome, or every moment was, of course. And as a whole, I mean, it's amazing what the choices that I didn't know at the time, what they were creating, like... Even saying yes to Voice America, and that being the invitation, so people around the world got to know who I was. So then they could invite me to their place in their country and travel. And you know, hubby and I have all these memories. I didn't, I guess, speak about him and his journey with with Workwise because he's now been in the business with me full time. I think he retired air quotes, in 2015. Uh, So he was working uh, at his dream job, actually. So for many years, when I met him, he was, uh, of course, working with me at Focus. And then he got uh, work as a janitor at a school, which he actually loved. He really did. Uh, And the kids loved him, the school loved him. And then he was also his his favorite thing of all was to be in Uh, the theater and not on the front not on the stage like me but he is the back end guy and he um, he volunteered with them for 20 years and then he was offered his dream job and he worked at that for I think 10 12 15 maybe I can't remember how many years Uh, and so it, it was very hard for him to let that go but what was happening is the more I was traveling and the more he couldn't travel with me was difficult for him and so the the desire to travel with me became way more than him staying at the work that he was doing at the theater and so they were very sad to see him go uh they still if he happens to be in lloydminster and he runs into any of the dance uh people that would you know he would do their uh, their festivals and all that stuff they're very they they just loved working with him and uh big big part of his life and I am so grateful that we can now co-create together. And uh, so we moved from Vermilion in uh, 2017, actually. So we moved from Vermilion to Sherwood Park, just on an acreage just outside of Sherwood Park, Alberta. We actually moved to be closer to the airport. And I think since we've moved, we've actually utilized the airport less. Not a ton less, but actually less. And that's okay, because what I got was my own swimming pool. And uh, that has been truly one of the biggest gifts that I have ever gifted myself, uh, along, of course, with this million dollar home and the just all, all the space and the possibilities and being closer to the city, which is something that when COVID-19 not on, uh, we do actually enjoy going and checking things out and doing different things. And we absolutely love the serenity of our home. And really guys, if you're still listening, this, this long in, um, I would just love to leave you with the idea that each one of us is the creators of our lives. Now we can't control the things that happen you know, there will be people that we love die. There will be relationships that we don't want to end. And there will be sometimes more money. There will sometimes be less money. There will be, uh, you know, pandemics. Apparently there will be uh, times where there's not a pandemic. There will be all the things. And if we remember that we are the creators of our lives, that can change Everything. Now, it doesn't mean that we resist what's going on or that we don't feel the feels. If we got the feels, you know, if we're upset, if we're frustrated, if we're anxious, like feel the feels and then look at what would I like to create? What would I like to create because we can, we're all in this pandemic. We're all here together right now. And we all have a choice. Would we like to create our lives so that we are choosing greater and we're creating more and we're having fun and we're laughing and we're making the best of it? Or do we want to create that it's hard and it's horrible and it's the worst thing ever and we'll never get out of this and all of that. I mean, they're all choices. We get to choose. What would you like to create? I know I would like to create way more. And that energy of how does it get any better than this? Like, especially just, I recommend, even if you don't have a radio show, like record for yourself or write it out, your life story. Go through the highlights. Because this has been such a gift for me to recognize all the energies and that energy of of knowing and taking action and choosing And every time I do that, I choose, I create what I would like. Now, it doesn't show up the way I think it will, uh, and that's okay, but I'm choosing towards it. So what would you like to choose today? What would you like to create today? And what else is possible, my sweet friends, that we have never even considered? (sighs) Yeah. Thank you so much for listening in. If you are still listening now, you deserve a gold star. And thank you, thank you, thank you. I am so incredibly grateful for each and every one of you. Even if you're not listening now, I'm just sending out the gratitude to you. Uh, So I look forward to chatting again.